let's uh, let's discuss uh, from our sedra this week some um, interesting principles with regard to the mitzvah of benching, and uh, specifically the interesting evolution of the the concept of benching, or more the text that uh, changes over time. Um, in general, we we don't really see that many mitzvot which evolve over time into the present day. But benching is quite uh, quite interesting in that regard. And so what we find is as follows. Um, the Gemara in Masechet Brachot of Bet, the Gemara discusses the origin of the text of Birkat Amazon. Now, we understand that when man, when man fell from Shamaim um, as food for the Jewish people, um, so Moshe Rabbeinu composed the first bracha of, of Birkat Hamazon. So this idea of having a biblical obligation to thank Akosh Baruch Hu after, after eating bread, uh, this concept of Birkat Hamazon, we know that there's a, it's a mitzvah doraita. It's one of the only brachot which are mandated minat Torah for us to say. And, um, and the nature of this being a din doraita is from our Parashat Ekev, where the Pasuk tells us that when you eat enough to be satisfied, then you have to bench <coughs> and you have to bless Akosh Baruch Hu. Now, um, when we look at how benching evolved, so we first, the first stage of benching <coughs> is Moshe Rabbeinu's um, introduction or composition of the first of the first uh, bracha of, of benching. So Moshe Rabbeinu, refer, uh, you know what we call, you know, Birkat Hazan, um, Moshe Rabbeinu con- composed it. Um, now, the interesting part is, is that at that point in time, the mitzvah cons- consists just of that one paragraph, um, ending in Hazan Now, although there is presently a biblical obliga- obligation to, to bench Akosh Baruch Hu for giving us uh, food, but contained within the benching, there are a number of major themes. And uh, one of them is the, the bracha that we give, the thanks we give Hashem for giving us Eretz Yisrael as well. Now, at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu composes the Birkat Hamazon, you can appreciate that it was, it was, it was not realistic. It was impossible for him to, to compose this bracha, thanking Hashem for giving us the land of Israel. Um, the bracha only comes into its own when Yahshua, you know, conquers the land of Israel. Now, the land, obviously, Eretz Israel belongs to Avram Avinu from the time that he fulfilled the directive of Hashem, kum baretz, arise and walk about the land, the orkah, rochba, you know, it's across, across its length and its breadth. Um, I, will, I will give it to you. So when Akash Baruch Hu told Avram Avinu about this, he instructs him, to make a kind of a Kenyan, acquire the land by traversing it. Um, and so at that point in time, Avram Avinu acquires the land. And um, it's not just a promise that's going to be fulfilled in the future, but it's an actual legal acquisition that Avram Avinu acquired at, you know, at the time. Now, even though this is true, so Avram Avinu has a hold on the land or Avram Avinu acquired the land on, on behalf of Klal Israel. 
but the obligation to thank Hashem for giving us Eretz Israel did not begin until the land was actually delivered, you know, into the hands of Yoshua through the conquest, um, you know, that he that he uh, that he led, and so Yoshua now becomes the composer of the second bracha of Birkat Amazon, Birkat Aretz, and then became a Doraita obligation to recite this bracha as well. So benching, the way we have it today, as we say, it evolves. Starts with Moshe Rabbeinu. There's a mitzvah Doraita to bench after you've eaten food that you will be, you know, to the level of satisfaction. And we understand it to be referring to a meal from bread. And when you bench, so you, you first bench like Moshe Rabbeinu wanted you to, Birkat Azan, and then after the 14 years of... Uh, of conquest and division of the land, Yoshua then composed the second bracha, Birkat Aretz. Now, hundreds of years then passed by, and David Amelech um, becomes king, and uh, and Shlomo Amelech succeeds him, and he Shlomo Amelech builds the Beit Hamidrash as well. So now, in the days of David Amelech and Shlomo, the biblical obligation grew now. It it uh, it came to incorporate the actual uh, you know the 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 brachot the, within the benching that um, David Amelech when he conquers Jerusalem so he uh, he composed the first section of the third of the third bracha uh, and uh, when Shlomo Amelech built the Beit Hamikdash he added the second half of the of the third of the third bracha. Uh, and that's the bracha of Yerushalayim. Now, the, the, this particular bracha um, is interesting to, to appreciate in, in, in today's context. What do you say about this bracha now? You're going to bench Hashem for giving us Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash. Um, what, what happens over here? You've got, uh, you, it's true that in the days of, of Yoshua, he added his the second bracha, and David and Shlomo Melech added two halves of the third bracha. But now the Beit Hamikdash has been destroyed, and you know, absence the the lineage uh, of David Melech. So you know, his whole sovereign line has also been been broken. So now that there's you know there's a destruction that's been you know handed down to the to David Melech's um, you know heritage of his of, of actually having kings come from him. And Shlomo Melech's Beit Hamidash is built. So now, what do you say about uh, everything's lost its status? Eretz Yisrael's lost its status of kedusha to a certain degree, and uh, one could argue the point, but the Beit Hamidash also has been destroyed. So, so what happened to that third? What happened to that third bracha? So one way of looking at it is to say that you know the third bracha has been modified. The third bracha, the way we have it. Rachaim Hashem Elokeinu Arshay Lamecha Varushlaim Merecha. David Melech is not saying Rachaim, meaning have mercy and rebuild the Beit Hamikdash and rebuild Yerushalayim. He's not saying that. David Melech would have written a celebratory bracha, much more upbeat. Rachaim over here is you know uh, bring it back. So what we need to what what we need to say therefore that the third bracha that was originally an extension of the Dindor writer, the Torah-mandated uh, halacha that you bench, that third bracha is not a Dindor writer today. Um, 
it's a din drabanan and it's been modified, you know, to contain a tefillah. All of a sudden, you know, you're not giving thanks to Kosh Baruch Hu anymore. It's not a, you, 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 you davening that uh, Hashem should have mercy on the, you know, these two institutions on Malchut Bay David and Binyan, uh, Binyan Abayit. And we ask Hashem to, to bring them back to us. That's, that's what, uh, that's what you're basically saying over here. Now, until it's point, it's, it's, it's sort of like quite obvious, but until it's pointed out, you know, it's not clear. You know, you think of benching as having these three, even those people who know benching know that there are these themes in there. But it's interesting, this little Nakuda that this isn't the original third brocha that, uh, that, that really was there in the world of benching. Um, rather, it's actually been modified uh, into a tefillah. This is already quoted in the tour in Orachaim, you know, in, uh, in Kuf Pechet. But this is really what's happening over here. So it sounds like that the, you know, the third brocha as we have it today is only in force as a Din Drabanan. And only when we have the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim are we obligated on a Doraita level to thank Hashem for, for these institutions. Now, um, the, the two halves of this third brocha, they correspond to two aspects of, of the uniqueness of Yerushalayim. First and foremost is Yerushalayim is what we call the Mikdash Melech. It's the sanctuary of Akosh Baruch Hu. Which, uh, which is what allows for the bringing of korbanot uh, in its environs. Yerushalayim has a certain level of kedusha, and uh, and inside Yerushalayim one can bring korbanot. Over and above the place that one can build build a house and bring korbanot. So there you have, uh, you know, Yerushalayim is also called the Ir Meluchat, the royal city, and it becomes the official capital of Eretz Israel. So all of Eretz Israel is considered as Paltin Shal Melech, like you know the the so-called um, the royal palace. But but um, but but yeah, we need to appreciate that there are these two aspects. That uh, it's a place, so to speak, for a spiritual expression of a relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and it becomes also the actual, you know, the sovereign capital. The you know, this is. If somebody wants um, proof that Am Israel consider Yerushalayim as as a capital city, this is this is exactly it. It's Ir Melucha, um, and uh, the Zohar actually makes uh, mention of this, where um, there's a pasuk in Kohelet which says, "Ashrecha Eretz Shemalkecha Ben Chorin." You know, fortunate are you, uh, the land of Israel, whose whose king is a Ben Chorin, a, a free man. So it's interpreted to be a reference to Territ Israel, whose official king is Hashem. And, you know, Hashem provides freedom, you know, for Abadim, you know, in a, in a Yovel year. That's the Ben Chorin, you know, the, to make, you know, and, and Yerushalayim is referred to as, as Kiryat Melech Rav, uh, you know, the city of the great king, or Kisai Hashem, the throne of Hashem, all different psukim throughout, throughout Tanakh. So Yerushalayim serves as the capital uh, city of uh, of the kingdom of Hashem in in Eretz Israel. Now, the distinctiveness of Yerushalayim as Ir Melucha enables us to understand uh, a Mishnah in Masechet Ketubot, where it's a very famous uh, Mishnah in Masechet Ketubot, where the Mishnah says 
that um, if uh, if a, if a, if a couple if a couple wish to emigrate to the land of Israel, or there's a couple that's married, they live in Chutzaretz, and one of the parties wants to emigrate to Jerusalem, uh, um, even from another location in Eretz Israel, and the other spouse refuses. So the one who refuses is con considered to be the aggressor, considered to be at fault, you know, if the marriage falls apart as a result of this. Now, we all know the Mishnah famous where you have a couple in Chutzaretz and one of the one of the, the, the one spouse wants to go to Eretz Israel. There we are familiar with that, that the person who doesn't want to go to Eretz Israel is, in a sense, not allowing the one other party who wants to go to fulfill the mitzvah. And therefore, uh, you know, the, if the marriage breaks up, the one who doesn't want to go to Israel is the aggressor. Yeah, it's even if you're in Eretz Israel already and you want to now go to Yerushalayim, there's, um, you know, this this would have practical ramifications in those days specifically where the person who did not want to move to Yerushalayim would be considered at fault. And uh, if it was the in the if it was the woman who didn't want to go, she would, uh, you know, she would lose the ketubah. In other words, there seems to be a greater mitzvah of Yeshiv Eretz Yisrael to live in Yerushalayim rather than the rest of Eretz Yisrael, which is also very interesting that, uh, you know, I guess that's why we shouldn't be surprised that Yerushalayim will probably eventually become the most populated city in Eretz Yisrael. But it sort of becomes the, the, the religious capital of, uh, you know, of, of Eretz Yisrael. Um, now... What's interesting is, is when we come to the actual city of Yerushalayim, the, the twofold nature of Yerushalayim um, is also represented by the fact that the city is divided in two. Um, it's between Shevet Binyamin, you know, in whose section all the korbanot were offered on the Mizbeach, and Shevet Yehuda, whose section contained the government's official uh, buildings. So the Rambam in Hilchot Malachim, in the Perak Aleph there, uh, the Rambam writes that only a king of Malchut Beit David has the right to use Yerushalayim as his capital because, you know, Akosh Baruch Hu authorizes only such a king of, uh, of the Malchut Haniv Cheret, of, of, of people who are chosen to serve as, uh, as human representatives of the kingdom of Hashem in its capital. Uh, and this is in line with the Gomorrah's requirement um, that mentioning of Malchut Beit David is is indispensable to the bracha of Bonei Yerushalayim. Why do you have to mention this concept? Is because the reestablishment of the kingdom is necessary for the rebuilding of Yerushalayim to be considered uh, complete. So that you know this uh, this understanding of the dual role of Yerushalayim can now provide uh, an answer to a question raised by the Chatam Sofer, uh, where the Gemara in Zvachim tells how David HaMelech and Shmuel HaNavi uh, toured around uh, the borders of Yerushalayim, and um, th they were actually able to, the two of them, David HaMelech and Shmuel HaNavi, using prophecy, they were able to determine the actual map, the borders of, of Yerushalayim, long before Yerushalayim existed. We're talking about uh, complete uh, you know, desolation there, complete, there's nothing there. And they have to... Um, they, they decided to to mark out the place. They were trying to determine based on Psukim. Um, there's a Gemara in Zachim about this. Tafnundala and Bet there. The Gemara tells us that um, 
They were trying to, based on Psukim, uh, map out the correct site upon which you know to build uh, to build the Beit Hamikdash. Now, if it was understood that 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 a piece of the land close to Yerushalayim in Shevet Yehuda was worth far more than one distant from Yerushalayim in the Galil, for example. Um, so, you know, how could there be have any doubt regarding the placement of the Beit Hamidash within Yerushalayim? And if Yerushalayim was never divided among the Shvatim um, in the days of Yeshua, so one could not, uh, you know, you weren't allowed to charge rent for houses in Yerushalayim. Today you charge a fortune. But this principle that that you couldn't use property in Yerushalayim for your own benefit. No one, if it's 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 not part of the the division of properties that belong to any one particular shavit and by extension any one particular family. And so the land that you build buildings on, you can't charge you couldn't charge rent in those days. You know, nobody had the right to claim and make a profit off the, the land in Yerushalayim. And so we have to realize that that this is a uniqueness of Yerushalayim itself. It had, it, it was recognized already for centuries that Yerushalayim was unique, unique in terms of the property value and monetary ownership. Um, but, it, but it was thought that that this these sets of halachot that we're talking about now, it was sort of understood that these were uh, expressions of the fact that Yerushalayim was very special as because it was the capital of Eretz Israel, the Ir Melucha. And that, therefore, the capital of uh, of Yerushalayim, the capital Yerushalayim, was not apportioned between uh, between the Shvatim in the same way. You know that um, you have official lands in every country. You know, whether it's uh, Canberra over here or Washington in America. You know, um, it's not part of the neighboring states. You know, which 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 uh, you know in America, it's very close to. To, to Maryland and you know on the other side Virginia, but but it's an entity in and of itself. Uh, like like you ha you have over here ACT. It's like a, it's it's its own address, um, and therefore, you know, it was understood that there would be a that, you know a different city, uh, which would you know which would be the capital city. But all of a sudden, the halacha started to the other side of halachot, which applied to it. You know where you had a and now this city would house the it would be the Mikdash Melech. That had to that had to still be that had to be worked out. That, had, that, that those exact parameters had to be worked out, and that was what Shlomo, uh, that was what David Melech and and Shmuel were trying to do um, based on Psukim to try and work out, you know, what uh, what were the borders of Kedusha with regard to that aspect of Yerushalayim. You know, that's where they that's what they, what that's what they were looking for. Now. The Rambam uh, lists um, as the as the ninth uh, principle of faith. Shezot haTorah lotai muchlefet that that uh, the mitzvot the Torah will never ever be changed. Um, uh, the dinim of the Torah, you know, don't ever use by date, and and this principle is one of the foundational principles uh, differentiating. Um, those who are orthodox from those who are conservative or reform. Um, now, we've we've done this exercise before in shul. You know, when we spoke quite a while back at the beginning of Sefer Shmota, we we gave droshes on this in shul. 
Um, and we and 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 basically what happens is is that every time you see a change, something happens to change the way a mitzvah is done. You ask this question, you know, how where's their license to change the nature of the mitzvah? Um, because of this principle of faith, that Zotatara law tahemuchlefet. So even if a even if an authentic prophet came along, um, you know, uh, essentially you couldn't make a permanent change, you know, in a din of the Torah. Um, and so now, you know, we have to try and work out. So how does this work with regard to this this particular this particular mitzvah of of, of benching in a way? How, how how did it work? We it sort of changed. It's changed over time. Now the the svara the reason why we um the reason why or what what it, the reason why the Rambam or the svara the logic that the Rambam bases this principle of faith on what's so bad if things change within uh, the mitzvot of Torah and so we have a we you know we have a pasuk in in Sefer Malachi which says that ki ani Hashem roshaniti Hashem don't change and if Torah is a reflection of the essence of Akash Baruch Hu. So if you say that the essence of Hashem Torah changes, then you imply that there's a possibility of change, so to speak, in the Rabbani Shalom himself. And uh, and that's a problem. And so since the Torah is, you know, a reflection of Akash Baruch Hu's mind, it's the wisdom of Hashem. And Hashem and his wisdom are, so to speak, one. The dinim of Torah are also not subject to, to change because Ani Hashem lo shaniti. So that's the swara behind it. Now, um, you know, uh, what do we, what do we, what do we do with 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 this principle? Does it cause us a problem over here when we, you know, when we uh, when we look at the at the change of Birkat Amazon? Now, we could suggest as follows that, how, you know, Birkat Amazon is not a violation of this, you know, you know of these Ikareya Emuna. Um, because because the Torah itself describes the mitzvah as being comprised of three stages which are described above. In other words, when the Torah tells us to bench, uh, it tells us how to, be, it gives us a structure. And it's, you know, when you learn the Gemara, the Gemara points out how the structure works. And so the Torah tells us as follows, that Vachata um, Vesavata, you shall be, you shall eat and be satisfied. And then bench Hashem. Now, in that pasuk, you see, you have you eat, you have to eat a certain amount. If you're satisfied from what you've eaten, then you have a mitzvah to bless Hashem and thank Him for the food. You know, for Eretz Israel, when you bench, you've got to thank Hashem for Eretz Israel. And then Alaretz Hatova, what's Hatova? So the Gemara interprets that Hatova is uh, is 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 a reference to a pasuk we had in last week's Sedra in Pashat Vayitchanan, Haratova Zev Alvanon. So you know where the, where the mountain, this good mountain, Haratov, that that's that's the that's the Harabite, the Haratov Alvanon, the Temple Mountain Yerushalayim, and the Levanon that Akosh Baruch Hu gave you. So. If you understand the depth of the pasuk, the original nevuah of Moshe Rabbeinu in the Torah itself tells you it includes these changes that 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 you start off benching, you know, um, 
ואכלת ושבעת וברכת את השם אלוקיך. Yeah, man, you don't have to bench. But then there's going to be a time where you have to include in the benching ala aretz ha-tova. And the aretz ha-tova, that phrase, includes the metamorphosis, the changes that take place um, in the brocha. There's a kind of a prediction over here that within the, bro- in the, within the brocha, that when Klal Yisrael, you know, conquer and inherit Eretz Yisrael, then that's the time where you have to incorporate that into, into the benching, into the benching a, as well. So, um, so this, this now is how we interpret uh, the nature of this pasuk introducing us to the din, the din of, of Birkat Hamazon with a very unique nature this mitzvah is going to have. There's a prediction built into the mitzvah that there's, a, that there's going to be a structural change to the way the mitzvah is expressed, you know, over time. You know, it'll be Moshe Rabbeinu, then it'll add Yoshua, Birkat Haaretz, and then it'll add, uh, you know, Yerushalayim, and by extension, uh, you know, Yerushalayim, both as the place to bring Korbanot, and as the capital, the capital city. So this is how we need to interpret what's happening over here in the nature and structure of Birkat Amazon itself. It's evolving as a brocha. The nature of the brocha, we always know to, to, it to be a din doraita, but upon close examination, we start to see that when we say Birkat Amazon is doraita, if we, re- if we really want to be clear about it, we have to be definitive that Birkat Azan is midoraita. And, you know, but Birkat Aretz, that would be a question mark. You could argue the point today. You could say that we've come back now and we control at least the majority of, of biblical Israel. And maybe Al Aretz now has become a Dindoraita. But until, you know, let's, for argument's sake, until uh, there was a sizable population, you know, in Eretz Israel, and even then it was not under our control. So possibly from 1948, you could start to argue. You know that ala uh, aretz, you know brikat aretz, that has uh, that also evolves now, sort of returns in in status to what it was originally of brikat of brikat aretz. You could argue the other way around too and say until you have Yerushalayim, you don't really have hold of the rest of, of Eretz Israel. If you hold like that, then you would continue to say that uh, even Yeshua's brocha is not a dindo writer today, and vadai, you know the third brocha, you know brikat Yerushalayim. You know, isn't uh, you know would not be complete uh, over which to make a bracha because it may it may you could argue about the nature of it being in our hands in the capital city. At the same time, you know that there's problems there as well. And moreover, when it comes to offering korbanot, which is the other half of Yerushalayim, you know you uh, you you basically realize that that particular way of looking at the bracha, I would say probably just as a as as an educated guess. We would we would normally err on the side of caution and not say that that brocha is a is a brocha midoraita because you know even though in theory it belongs to Klal Israel both Eretz Israel and Yerushalayim uh, quite possibly one could argue that the third brocha for sure we could say listen you know even if we say Yerushalayim is in our hands it's only you know half in our hands you know and and even the half that's in our hands. We can debate the issue about how much control we have over the Arabite. But, but the other half, you know, that uh, is all about Korbanot, there, of course, we don't, um, you know, we don't, we don't have a watcher call. We don't have a, uh, a grasp on that, on that either. So, um, 
that's just interesting to note the nature, you know, the nature of uh, of this particular brocha. Now, when um, we, you find in a number of different, uh, you know, you find in a number of different halachot, we spoke this out again in shul, where um, there were certain changes that were made to other various halachas, um, and we we you know just to quickly mention them for the sake of repetition, but um, we we uh, we mentioned that when Ezra came back from Babel, he changed the alphabet, the look of the alphabet, the font, the whole font of the alphabet was changed. That was also an, a, a question as to how he could do that if Torah can't be changed. And they had the same methodological approach. We try and find a pasuk which hint, in Torah itself, which hints to the fact that there will be a change. And in this case of uh, the pasuk that we're looking for is in uh, in, in in you know in, in Sefer Devarim, where um, where we told as follows. Just get a Tanakh quickly. Um, so yeah, the pasuk tells us. Um, yeah, Parshat Shoftim. Uh, so we have this mitzvah with regard to a king. You know, when a king takes up his uh, seat of power. There you have the Torah. The, the, the simple meaning is that uh, the king has to write himself a safe Torah. But the way that it expresses it, he says that it, he has to write Mishnaya Torah Azot. You know, in other words, uh, two copies of this Torah is what the, the king had to write. But the word Mishnah can also be interpreted to mean that, um, you know, this is, this is a, a, a ktav, Harauili Ishtanot. It's a, it's a kitab which is going to eventually one day be changed from the kitab libona, which is uh, the Gemara way of, of expressing the old Hebrew script to kitab ashurit, which, which is what we call today, what we have today as the, as the modern Hebrew script. So it's the same approach. Whenever there's a mitzvah that's got like a change to it and an evolution of sorts, you look for a prediction where this change is going to, is going, to, is going to take place. And, um, you know, we made mention as well that uh, the change, the change in the names of the months of Kali's, of Amishal's calendar, instead of being uh, numbered month one, two, etc. Um, you know, going from Nissan. Yeah, we have, we've got all the names, Nissan, Iyar, Sivan. These, these months of the year were, were Babylonian names and they came, you know, Ezra changed them when, uh, you know, where, when he came, when he came back from from Bavel. Um, anyway, these are these are also changes that uh, that that took place there. And um, again, the Ramban writes an essay also trying to show that uh, the months of the year um, would need to be changed because they need to convey an appreciation uh, from the closest uh, experience of redemption that one has. So then, when we when we left Yitziat Mitzrayim, so we count months from Yitziat Mitzrayim, that sets a precedent, like a kind of a model, that when we leave Babel to go back and build the second Beit Hamikdash, you should commemorate that uh, that that Geula 
by renaming the months after the place where you came, based on the precedent that happened in Mitzrayim. So this also was a, a way of interpreting that the change of how we do things within certain parameters has already been predicted, and therefore it's not in violation of you know that the Torah that we have in front of us should not be changed. It's not it's not reforming anything. It's just understanding that there's a prediction over there that um, that, was, that was always there. Now the Rambam, the Rambam writes in Hilchot Malachim that uh, there's only there's another din that's uh, it's one one other din that's that's going to change in the future, and that is that we're going to add three cities of refuge, Arei Miklat, um, and and that change will be fulfilled once we take over the full boundaries of Eretz Israel, including the lands of the Kani, Kenizi, and Kadmoni, um, and so. This includes Greater Syria. You know, don't say it too loud because they you know, don't warn them of what's coming one day. But um, in 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 essence, when when whenever we get to the point where Hashem allows us to take possession of those lands, then uh, the Arai Miklat will will uh, will be added to it. And this this is also another example of a change that's hinted to you know in the pasuk where the pasuk says as follows um, in um, Again, in Parshat Shoftim, the Pasuk then say, the Pasuk says as follows: "V'im Yarchiv Hashem Elokecha Gvulcha Takosh Baruch Hu." You know, expands your borders. Kashen Ish Bal Avotecha V'Natan Lecha Et Kol Haaretz Asher Diber Latet Avotecha Ki Tishmor Et Kol Mitzvah Azot Lasota. You know, you, uh, you and when you keep all the mitzvot, Asher Nochim and Sabcha Yom. You will add another three cities of refuge, you know, to uh, you know to the to the three that exist exist already. So, you know, basically, the exa the examples that that at first glance are challenged by Zota Torah Lotai Muchlefet and. No prophet can can come up with something new. Uh, the the examples that we've given are essentially these. You know, we, we spoke about the ketav the ketav of the Sefer Torah, the names of the months. Uh, we spoke about um, our our our, our parsha We mentioned the idea of uh, you know of um, of the Arami Klat as well. So. Uh, you know, this is um, these are just the examples that I'm aware of based on reading um, essays on on these things over the as you go through the Torah um, that changes have taken place in these areas of Torah, but you know the it's done based on precedent and interpretation of Navua, which already predetermines that these changes can be expected to take place, and therefore. It's not a change of Torah itself. It's just a deep understanding of the uh, predetermined nature and prediction that already exists in the Ketav of, uh, of Torah itself. All right, so I will uh, leave you there and wish you a great Shabbos. And uh, I understand we are locked down for another month. So, uh, yeah, a bit, uh, a bit challenging on that front. But... Uh, who knows? Please, God, uh, we get out just in time for Yontif, and I don't even know what Yontif will look like, but uh, <laughs> uh, i tell you what a story. Thanks, Rabbi.
Okay. Thanks, everybody. Be well. Be well. Okay. Shabbat shalom.